Welcome to this week of Missouri Politics from the Soy Center for Innovation here at the Missouri Soybean Association headquarters in Jeff City. Innovative building, outstanding organization. We're glad to come to you from there with the newest entrant into the U.S. Senate race, Senator Dave Schatz. Welcome back to the show. Uh, glad to be here, Scott. Okay, so your career in the Senate, leading the Senate. Yes. Successful business, beautiful wife, kids, grandkids. Why are Perfect. you doing this? You know, uh, that's, a, that's a fantastic question, but <laughs> I'll tell you that uh, obviously I think Washington Seas broke. It has been for a while. Uh, again, fakes and frauds, uh, the types of politicians I think people are tired of, and I think I'm the candidate obviously that they're going to be looking for. Uh, it's been that way for a while, but everyday constituents, I don't think it works for everyday citizens the way it should. And I think it's time we sent somebody that's uh, got a record of results and success uh, and, gets, and just getting stuff done to Washington, D.C. to go and go to work for Missourians and to bring stuff back here to Missouri. So you're the sixth candidate then, or yes. sixth significant candidate. Um, I guess, how do you win? How do you set, when, when, when somebody's looking at the list of folks, which is, you know, half a dozen is a pretty good list of folks to look at. Sure. What sets you apart? I, I'm probably one of the few candidates that, uh, that knows what it's like to sign the front and the back side of a paycheck. Uh, as a small business owner, you know, I've been responsible uh, virtually all my life as an employer. My family business has been, been around uh, since, since I've grown up in a family business. And so, uh, and I'm, I'm the kind of guy that, you know, there's probably not many of them that know what it's like to get dirty uh, and mm -hmm. get stuff done. And, and that's the type of candidate I am. And I think I'm going to appeal to a lot of people, uh, a lot of broad Missourians, that that's what they're looking for. Somebody that's not afraid of hard work and, uh, and has done it, you know, and actually has been in the trenches and knows what it's like. You know, I've watched your Senate career in the state Senate. I think it's benefited you a lot as I've watched you interact with your colleagues that you actually did run a business, yes. a large business, not a corporate business, but a, but a, a family business, but, but a big one. People talk about creating jobs. You've actually created jobs. Sure. No, and again, that's, just, that's been uh, our history, our, our family. Uh, we've been employers all my life. Uh, and again, I know what it's like from the very ground up, from the very beginning of starting a business, running a business, and what it's like to, to make payroll every week and to make sure that occurs, make sure you got work for your employees to provide health insurance, all the things that goes in to running a small business, the regulation, everything that impacts small business. And when, when Washington, D.C. individuals make decisions that ultimately end up mm -hmm. on the backs of Missouri citizens and business owners, I know exactly what's that like. You've got around the state, obviously, uh, leading the Senate. It's a statewide position, being the pro tem. But now that you're running for Senate, it just feels to me like when you talk about politics with folks in Missouri, you get outside maybe the suburbs and the real Missouri, folks are kind of angry. And it's, it's a bit of an angry at Biden administration. It feels like it's a bit of an angry at the culture, the media. It just feels like there's a lot of energy and anger out there. What are you seeing? Well, I, I think what, what we're seeing is a frustration that's been uh, brewing for some time. Again, what you see happening in Washington, D.C. is you don't see re real results. Uh, and people are tired of just seeing problems kick down the road. I mean, obviously, we're seeing a lot of things from the Biden administration, I think, that people are concerned about. They're concerned about security, the border security that's not being taken care of. Obviously, we see that as a big issue. We're also the election issues, but the, the, just the inflation, the cost uh, of, of goods and services that are going, that's continuing to rise, is, is a great concern for all Missourians and for, for all citizens that we talk to. And so uh, I think that's, again, that is added to the fact that Washington, D.C. has just never, you know, continually missed the mark and not delivered results. And I think we've continued to see the spending, out of control spending coming out of Washington, D.C. No one lives within their means, not like we do here in Missouri. And so my past uh, 11 plus years in legislature, every year uh, we have put forth and balanced the budget, state's budget. I think that's something that needs to carry forward into Washington, D.C. Now, I noticed one of your uh, new opponents in the race, <clears throat> former Governor Greitens, came out against a law that you helped with SAPA. It was something that, it was astonishing to me 
the number of constituents. Like you get, at the Capitol, you get a lot of those mass emails or mass robocalls, but you get folks from New Haven and Union that called sure. your office wanting this SAPA bill. He came out against it and said it was a whole list of stuff. I, I watched a lot of Second Amendment folks I know that were passionate about this. Absolutely. I think last year in, in the process when we went through the legislative session, there was a lot of things that drew a lot of attention. But I can tell you one thing that drew a lot of attention was SAPA. And Did you get any more calls on anything more than probably, SAPA? Probably not. Everybody uh, I talked to said they got literal calls from folks they knew yeah. in their district about that bill. Yeah. Supporting it. No, we absolutely. And again, as someone who has been a strong defender of the Second Amendment rights, and that was one of the top priorities that people wanted to see occur, is to make sure that we added that level of protection. Obviously, after we've seen the Biden administration and what the fear that they generated from, for law-abiding, gun-owning citizens to make sure that we don't have the federal government come in and the overreaching federal government come in and taking our Second Amendment rights away. And so I think it was critical and important that we got SAPA passed. I don't know how you constitute that as defunding the police. Uh, that is just not something that's clearly not in there. Let's talk, uh, you're replacing maybe the, the best senator in the whole country, Roy Blunt. Big shoes to fill. Absolutely. Roy has done, I, I believe, done a phenomenal job for doing and bringing, <clears throat> bringing home what he can for Missouri and fighting for Missouri every day in Washington, D.C. And that's what I intend to do. I think that is the one critical thing that's like, you know, I'm not going to become one of the Washington, D.C. elites. I'm not that type of person. But I'm going to go to Washington, D.C., and I'm going to fight for Missouri every day if I'm elected. Folks at the Sullivan Bowl now, you'll still see you. <laughs> I'll guarantee you. They're going to see me at Sullivan Bowl. They're going to see me at Circle K, where I go in and get my 44-ounce Diet Coke every, every day, virtually. Uh, that's, my, that's my cocaine, I guess, as you'd call it. Uh, is, is, that's my habit, is, is Diet Coke. You start in the morning. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. You've got another year of, uh, of being in the state Senate left. Absolutely. It is a long old way from... Crothersville to Tarkio and from Pineville up to Clark County. Uh, being president of the Senate, uh, folks have wondered, now that you made this commitment to run for U.S. Senate, will you be stepping down as pro tem or are you going to stay in the office? No, I'm going to stay in the office. You know, I took this job on, obviously, and I'm committed to staying and fulfilling the commitment that goes with this job. Uh, I'll guarantee you one thing. Uh, I'm, I'm capable of, of continuing in the role that I have and the responsibility I have, and obviously I'll have, you know, some additional focus, but this one I'm going to continue to do the job that I was elected to do by the, by the majority of the, the citizens and, and the, the uh, individuals in the Senate. What's going to happen next year? I mean, it looks like folks are teed up on schools. And sure. folks yeah. are teed up, a uh, big ag package didn't make it that's sure. been not really controversial in the past. What, what, what do you think happens on schools first? Well, uh, there, there's going to be a number. Again, today's uh, pre-filing day. I haven't seen all the things that have, that have hit, uh, that have been pre-filed. But obviously, critical race theory is going to be a conversation. There's going to be a continuation of that a discussion. A bill dealing with that will pass, right? Yeah, it'll, there'll be yeah. something that, through that, is going to, that is going to make it through the process that mm -hmm. ultimately deals with that. Uh, I think we have some very big things in front of us this year. Obviously, we have the congressional redistricting maps that are probably going to, you know, top the, the issues that we have to address immediately, uh, first and foremost. We also have an unprecedented amount of federal money uh, that's going to be available. We're going to have to make sure that we appropriate that in a, in a manner that makes sure it's done in a wise manner and we don't squander those resources that are coming from the federal government. Compared to a lot of states that have a political process for redistricting, Missouri's starting a little later than most. Sure. Do you think you're going to end up with a 7-1 Republican map when you're done? You know, uh, I think that process is going to play out. I think any time that we could look at the opportunity uh, to increase uh, the number of conservative uh, Republicans in the United States Senate is something you have to have a conversation about. But also know that we're going to just look from a practical perspective as what can we get through the process. And again, we have to make sure that we can get a map done. That redistricting timeline and the, the, the process in which it's going to get done and when redistricting or whenever the, the 
the timeline starts where the filing starts is going to be so close, and we're going to have to make sure we get a map so people can know what districts they're running in. But I mean, really, when it comes down to it, it looks like 2022 is going to be a very good year for Republicans. I believe you've that had to be a bunch true. of them here in Missouri. I believe that to be true. This may be a good year across the country for Republicans. Uh, you could appears. probably elect seven Republicans to Congress in 2022 if you with a map. Yeah, you cut Kansas City three ways, right? I mean, it seems sure. like there's there's a growing momentum out here from people. Uh, if Kevin McCarthy calls you and says, I need one more from Missouri, what are you going to be able, how are you going to be able to tell him no? Well, uh, again, we haven't had that call yet. Yeah. Uh, I, I just spent a little bit of time talking to some folks about this particular issue, and again, we'll see how this, it's going to be an ongoing process. We've put some people on that committee. I think that obviously we've got some good, smart individuals that are going to be working on that. Uh, our chairman, uh, our Senator Bernsketter, obviously is chairs that committee, and we're going to be uh, looking to that committee to see what they can come out of. Let me talk about the, the ag package didn't make it. Yes. Now I've heard, you know, folks in ag are desperate to see that come out early. Is that a priority you can make happen early? Well, Where's I, that going to end? I think we're all, uh, you know, disappointed the fact that we couldn't get some of those issues that didn't uh -huh. make across the finish line at the end of session. So I'm pretty sure that the ag bill is probably something that's going to be up there high on the list. It's it's obviously something we've talked about in our caucus. And so, we'll, again, we have a lot of things that, that kind of really are going to take precedent starting out. Again, the congressional redistricting is something we know we have a very a short time fuse on that. But I think that ag package is going to be something that's going to be first and foremost as well in getting that across the finish line too. Speaking of your caucus, um, never boring your caucus, <laughs> no, right? Never. No, no. I, I heard you all had an eventful time down at Big Cedar, which we uh, did. is a good, yeah, good place yeah. to good place to spend part of your fall. Uh, do you see any change in the internal politics of your caucus? Do you see. It, any thought? Is any it's going to be, getting around better? Scott, it may be one of the most interesting uh, sessions yeah. that we've had. I mean, the number of potential people that could be ultimately entering and pursuing a higher office or a different office is mm -hmm. going to be unprecedented probably since my time there. I don't think I've ever seen it, uh, the opportunity for that. And so put the dynamic of redistricting in there and the unprecedented amount of money that's going to be uh, there and, and all the issues that we still uh, have before us, it's going to be a very interesting legislative process. I'm hopeful that we'll pull it all together. I will say this, that you know, if you look back over the last three years, the results that we've delivered yeah. uh, over the last three years, I fully anticipate when this legislative session is over, you're going to see those same types of results. We're going to deliver for Missourians. We're going to provide a balanced budget. We're also going to be doing, continue to do good things for Missouri businesses and continue on the record that we've had over the last three years. It seems like it's like, sometimes looks like three yards in a cloud of dust, but you look over the end of session and, and you put points on the board. Absolutely. I mean, it, it is, a, and maybe it's not supposed to be just A to B. Maybe it's supposed to be a little bit messy and have some egos involved. I don't know if anybody could ever truly predict exactly how it will come out, but I will say this, we've made I, I, extremely good progress I, every year on tort reform, on uh, advancing uh, pro-business job uh, growth and, and investment in infrastructure. There's been a lot of the good things that we've done. Again, how we get to the point, but I'll guarantee you we're going to put our shoulder behind it. We're going to work hard. At the end of the day, I think we'll have a good product. So it sounds like it's going to be fun to watch the Missouri Senate next it year. It should be very fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Last thing I want to ask you. Yep. Let's just say you're an old boy. You drive a truck from Reynolds County or you're a farmer up in Scotland County. What would you have them if they saw this on Facebook, this clip? What, what should they know about you? Why should they think about voting for you or putting a sign up or all the ways, new, you know, the Twitter posts? What, what would you say to that guy to get him to come over and think about voting for you? I, again, Scott, I think that uh, the, obviously you know me a little bit more than others, but I mean, what you see is what you get. You know, I'm, I am a guy, again, I'm the person that has, has done it. Uh, I'm the guy that will get dirty, get in the ditch, do what he has to do, and I've done it from point A to point B. Uh, and I think that's what they're looking for, somebody that's not just talking about it, 
sticking their finger up in the wind, trying to decide where the political winds are blowing, but just saying, listen, take on tough issues, willing to tackle them, and, and solve problems. And that's what I've done. That's what I've done in my time in the legislative, uh, when I've served in this body, in this chamber, and I'll do that when I go to Washington, D.C. Senator, I hope you'll come back as the campaign goes on and talk about you these bet issues. bet I will. Be right back. First, go to showmissouri.com. This is Missouri one county at a time. Coming up, Lewis Riggs, one of the best shows we've ever done in the history of Marion County. I could have listened to Lewis Riggs tell the history of Marion County for another hour. Outstanding show, showmissouri.com. And we'll be back to talk about the Soy Center here, the Innovation Center, and all things the Sorbian Association after this. All across Missouri, our new car and truck dealers are building strong local economies. When you buy a car or truck in Missouri, you're helping to support over 20,000 Missouri families who rely on the auto industry for good-paying local jobs. You're also helping fund our communities, schools, first responders, and our roads because dealers generate millions of dollars in tax revenue. Missouri's automobile dealers have been the foundation of our communities for generations and for generations to come. The Missouri Automobile Dealers Association, the heart of Missouri. For more than a century, the St. Louis Carpenters Union has shaped our communities. Through trusted alliances, we deliver skilled professional craftspeople while our business partners provide the kind of quality jobs that keep our economy humming. It's a blueprint that has worked since 1882. Turning Missouri into a right-to-work state stalls progress, wipes out jobs, and kills momentum. Right-to-work is wrong for everyone. Let's keep Missouri moving forward. Visit carpdc.org to learn more. Your energy needs are changing. That's why at Ameren, Missouri, we're not waiting on the future. We're building it with the Smart Energy Plan, advancing thousands of projects across the state helping reduce emissions through cleaner energy sources, boost reliability with self-healing equipment, and better withstand storms with new composite poles. Moving Missouri forward and bringing us all a little closer together. That's energy at work, Ameren, Missouri. Welcome to this week in Missouri Politics from the Soy Center for Innovation in Jefferson City, Missouri, the Soybean Association, most dynamic associations. We'll talk about them a little later. We wanna get right into the panel with Representative Ashley Oni from Kansas City. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Representative Bill Harbrick, first time on the show? Yeah, it's a thrill, Scott. You picked like the nice place to do it at too, right? Good awesome call. day, awesome location. Yeah. And Lewis Riggs, one of the smartest people I've seen be a House member. I loved our show in Missouri and Marion County. I've listened to it twice. A true historian. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Well, bless you and uh, the checks in the mail. Thank you for those kind <laughs> words. Sweet. Now that we got that business out of the way, let's talk about broadband. A lot of folks watch this show a lot of folks watch on ABC and Kansas City, but really people watch this on YouTube. And a lot of folks need to wa would want to watch it on rural broadband, but they don't have it. You're the chair of a committee that's going to help try to spend some of this money. Give folks the real high-end view of what you're doing. High-end view, we're looking at a little over $400 million is the, the request I've seen to date. That's from ARPA funds, so that is money that exists at this moment. There's another round of funding coming through. A minimum $100 million. I don't know how much more than that. Hopefully, closer to 150 than 100, based on where we're at, state rankings nationwide, access, speed, affordability, all of it. We're hurting. Everybody knows that. Uh, the other high end view is we're putting together a report. We'll have five or six recommendations come out of that. Um, we've seen some really good things come out of it. We did town halls all around the state. Uh, we've seen a really good challenge process that everybody likes. Uh, we've also seen some good maps out there that people have in the state that 
are a lot better than what the FCC has. So there are some state-friendly resolutions I think we can, we can use. Tell me about folks in Marion County. Do you, does your county have access to broadband? Depends on where you're at in the county. Yeah. So our commissioners have stepped up, um, willing to pledge up to $2 million with the stipulation that you can't live inside the city limits. Sure. Well, that's last mile access. So I applaud that. It's like, you go. That's good. Um, problems we run into are other areas of the state, geography, topography, population density, affordability, speed, digital literacy, you name it, we've got problems with all of them. When will somebody be able to have real broadband from this money? Will you look two years? Will I actually be able to get on the internet? Depending on how the funding goes, uh, some of it will go in, into much needed state improvements. Um, a year to two years is not unreasonable for the money that goes through the state fund. Uh, which will be substantial. I don't know how much that's going to be yet. Of course, the governor proposes, mm -hmm. the legislature disposes. Uh, we'll see, but it's a sizable amount. It's, it's a game changer for all of us, and I tell everybody 2022 is the year. We've got to get this Representative Harvard, tell me about Pulaski County. Where do you have, where do you have broadband, where are you not? Yeah, uh, most of Pulaski County is covered by some type of internet service because Fort Leonard Wood's there, so there's a strong yeah. broadband presence. But I think I agree with Lewis, broadband is infrastructure. We need that to have a more durable economy as the economy goes up and down, as maybe our federal dollars wax and wane. Um, that keeps us durable, and that's how the economy is evolving. I just met a constituent this week who moved to Pulaski County, worked remotely from home. Mm -hmm. She'd have to be located at a city if there weren't internet, yep. but she was there. She's able to take care of her family, her grandkids, and, uh, and spend money in Pulaski County, which is what we want, right? Go to our restaurants, help our property values, help our economy. And internet allows that to happen. People to move from St. Louis, to, from Chicago, from Seattle, come down to rural Missouri and, and work in a place that they want to live, in an environment they want to live in. So I agree with Lewis. I mean, it's part of how our economy's got to evolve going forward. Representative I mean, this is something, this is the federal government. This is the government doing something for folks that probably uh, that money came from Kansas City to the federal government. It's going to come to other places throughout the state. There are good things the government can do. Absolutely. I think that we've seen that with this bipartisan um, infrastructure bill that Democrats are delivering uh, for the American people and for Missourians. And, I and think Roy Brock Blunt. <laughs> yes, and Roy Blunt. I mean, I'm very grateful for his vote. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, I was at a forum last week where Sam Graves showed up and talked about how he was, uh, he was a no vote because of the amount it would add to the deficit, which is just so disappointing considering he voted to uh, approve the Trump tax cuts, which I believe added $3.9 well, trillion. Well, they most care about the deficit when they're in the minority, right? That's I think, sort of the I way. Think that that's, yeah. I think that that's how it goes. But you know what? The fact of the matter is Democrats delivered this, and Missourians are going to benefit, and I'm thrilled. I, I don't think Sam Graves is inconsistent. He can see I can't vote for this bill because of the stuff that's intertwined in it, because what it does to economic or deficit. But he can say, hey, there's some positive things coming to Missouri, and tout the things about it that are good, but right. say I couldn't vote he about it. He may be in the, the elections go as some folks think. When you really start spending this money, he may be in a good spot yeah, I think in Congress as a chairman. Yeah, I just want sense. to put one quick word in for County Road 454 in West Butler County. We could use real broadband. It'd be great. You're not alone. <laughs> about a thousand county oh. roads. Representative Hardwood, you are also an attorney in your spare time. Oh. Judge Green came out with a ruling that essentially, according yeah. to what, what it looked like he, he said, was that the, the health orders have been unconstitutional and they should go away. And really, the power should come from the governor's office, maybe, to do some of these things. You tell me what it says. Uh, the governor's or their legislative bodies. So what Judge Green ruling essentially says is that the Constitution of Missouri divides different branches of government. 
with different functions. There's the executive that can enforce. There's the legislative branch that's going to make the law, answer these big questions, these big political questions, and the judiciary interprets. And what's been happening with the health orders, the growth of the administrative state, is that health departments have been taken on that legislative function, that rulemaking function, and too much unto themselves. And there's a sentence in the, the regulation that was really problematic, which was that if it's in your opinion that it's necessary to close down a business, to close down a school, to close down a church. Yep. And that's too arbitrary. That gives too much discretion to the executive branch. At the county level, it's the, it's the county health department. Mm -hmm. At the state level, it's DHSS to, to make rules, to make law. What Judge, Rule, Judge Green's ruling didn't do is strike down those health rules made by the legislature, made by county uh, commissions, made by um, legislative bodies, where there's a vote, where there's a legislative function, or by uh, school districts which are separate and the school board members deciding what needs to happen at school district. It's just when the administrative state gets too big and too powerful, he curtailed that back So hypothetically, if you had a five-year-old son and some yeah. socialist at a failing school district in Rockwood, wanted to strap a mask on his face. Did Judge Green help that little German kid? Um, so he did and he didn't. Um, and I don't, I don't think five-year-old kids should be wearing masks all day. Of course hours not. A day. I don't think it's good. Yeah, well, yeah we tend, I mean, I tend to agree with that. They should be wearing masks all day. But he did and he didn't. So the health department can't compel that school district to have a mask requirement anymore. But that school district may receive an insurance premium, and that coverage and that rate is based on following guidance from some health department. Right, we will cover you for this as long as you follow some county health department rule. And so some school districts may be inclined to continue to follow those rules because they have an insurance purpose or maybe they have a funding purpose for what federal funds are tied to to continue to have mask rules or whatever. Representative, I actually thought the governor had done a good job. I thought he let folks in Kansas City who want to wear masks, they, want to, they, they think they need to be locked down, be locked down. And you let us hillbillies who we probably wouldn't have done it even if you ordered it. I think in a future crisis, this makes that the governor's approach, you just can't do it, right? I, I think that what is most disappointing, honestly, about the, the ruling is, is not that it is uh, just discounting what has happened um, and, and what these local health authorities have said. I think that what is, is more disappointing is a, is a message it sends as we are seeing spikes across the state. Um, and, you know, yes, local control is great in Kansas City and in St. Louis and Springfield, um, Columbia, other areas where uh, local authorities have um, made some more sweeping changes like mask mandates and things like that. Um, that's worked really well for our communities and our communities appreciate that. And I know that Missouri is different across the board. We're not all the same. But well, wasn't that sort of the logic in Governor Parson's approach was you're different, so let different people behave differently. Absolutely. And but I don't I, think they're going to be able to do that now, right? Agreed. No, I don't think that's true. There's still a process. The city council, the county commission can still have a process, but it's a political process. I elected you to the county council or county commission. I answered to these constituents. We can have a vote, a legislative vote on a rule. His ruling didn't really affect that. The legislature can address stuff as a political legislative body, but you, sh you shouldn't give this like unlimited power to a, a bureaucracy, to an administrative body. Representative, what do you think? Where do you want to start? Um, given an inconsistency. So Rawls County says you're out seven days. Marion County says you're out 14. You're a school district. You have all your buildings in Marion County. You have students in Rawls. That was me. Um, so the students come back in after seven, why are you here? Well, my county said it's okay. Uh, Marion County says it's not. So try and be a superintendent or a board of education sure. in the middle of that. And that's something that happened all across this state. There were 
counties that did their own thing, and, and frankly, as far as unit cohesion, there was no unit cohesion. And I agree, I think the governor was in a tight spot. Sometimes the best answer is to do nothing and see where things go. Most of the time. Um, and things will, will sort themselves out eventually, but the inconsistencies across the state uh, were disconcerting to say the least. And I, I don't know how many times people went to uh, St. Louis County to an eating establishment and they were closed and the sign says, join us in St. Charles. So you go across the river and, and you eat just fine. Uh, so what, we destroyed 30% of small business um, as a result of pandemic and responses to it. We can't afford to do that again. Well, speaking of things we need to do, tell me about your bill with Dell Veterans. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I am really proud of a piece of legislation that I'm filing this week. Uh, I've worked with Senator Tony Luchtemeyer on it. We had a constituent who reached out to us. He is a 100% disabled veteran um, who noticed that current statute um, allows for uh, property tax relief for prisoners of war in Missouri. Uh, and that's a very specific designation. Mm -hmm. um, very few people meet that qualification here in Missouri. So um, his suggestion was that we open it up to 100% disabled veterans and allow them to, to uh, have that benefit as well. Um, now it is going to be a change to the Constitution. So um, he's filing an uh, SJR, I'm filing an HJR, and we're hoping to move it through both chambers um, and, and see what we can do. Lastly, we're here at the Soybean Association, this terrific facility. Yes, absolutely. It's amazing what they do with soybeans. A lot of this facility is made with a, a soybean type product. And if you walk through a wheeler, yeah. everything you point at will be made out of soybeans. Everything, yeah, the, the, uh, <laughs> the grass, everything. Ag's a really important part of our state's economy. Soybeans are a really big part of that. So it's a good industry to keep thriving in Missouri. With a minute left, two on the week. Man, uh, you know, I, I will say that <laughs> I know you would start with me and I wasn't really prepared. Um, I'm gonna say that who won the week is honestly all legislators in Missouri. Uh, it's pre-filing week and yep. that's kind of dorky, but I'm really proud of all of us. Whether Whatever side of the aisle we're on, um, we're doing work for Missouri. How many are you gonna pre-file? I'm pre-filing, I believe four this week, nice. but I've got a lot more coming. <laughs> who won the week? Uh, healthcare workers, not one, but two rulings this week from federal court judges staying the CMS order to require healthcare workers be vaccinated to get federal funds. They've been working the pandemic for over a year now. A lot of them have been infected with COVID. Hope they get some relief from it. And they would probably know the most about COVID to decide they're really vaccinated. Treat That's those patients a, every day, yeah. You know, there's a stereotype the media puts out about who's not vaccinated, but, but it's not really healthcare workers. And I was surprised there were that many of them. Yeah, nurses, um, I hope, who've been on the front lines, the heroes, mm -hmm. uh, I hope they, you know, they get treated better going forward. One of the week. James Madison. Deep, I love it. Thank you. Thank you, James Madison, the Ninth and Tenth Amendments of the Constitution. Federalism is alive and well. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Judge Green, I think, put an exclamation point behind that tenth one, I think. Uh, I want to say Jean Peters Baker. Last week, Kevin Strickland was freed before Thanksgiving. I don't think people give enough credit. She had to go and admit her office, not when she was in it, but her office made a mistake. That's, uh, that's leadership. It's an interesting thing. You know, Bill Belichick says mental toughness is uh, doing something better for the team when it's not good for you. I thought that took a, that was a rare person that could do that. I'm going to say she won the week. I hope you'll join us next week for our year-end episode of This Week in Missouri Politics. This Week in Missouri Politics, sponsored by the Missouri Association of Career Fire Protection Districts, Spire, and Sterling Bank. I'm a history buff, like I know a lot of you are if you watch the show. We're doing a thing of the history of Missouri. We're going to do it one county at a time. We call it Show Me Missouri. We're going to travel to all 114 counties of the state. We'll have a member of the Farm Bureau, a county elected official, some of your state legislators you see here on the show. 
going to talk about the history, what's happening now in the county, and how the two are interconnected. It's a passion project of mine. If you like history, I hope you'll get involved. Follow us. Uh, go to themissouritimes.com. You can see it. We'll probably branch it off into on social media at some point. But you've been so good to us at the Missouri Times, the show, different papers. This is a passion project that I hope you'll enjoy called Show Me Missouri, the history of Missouri, one county at a time. The first county was Polk County. We had a great time. And we hope you'll uh, go to MissouriTimes.com, find a little bit about it. And if you like the history of the state, I hope you'll enjoy it. For more than a century, the St. Louis Carpenters Union has shaped our communities. Through trusted alliances, we deliver skilled professional craftspeople, while our business partners provide the kind of quality jobs that keep our economy humming. It's a blueprint that has worked since 1882. Turning Missouri into a right-to-work state stalls progress, wipes out jobs, and kills momentum. Right to work is wrong for everyone. Let's keep Missouri moving forward. Visit carpdc.org to learn more.